Welcome to another edition of Intentional Conversations. On Intentional Conversations, we seek to interview leaders in men's ministry to help men grow spiritually and help leaders and pastors to reach men in today's culture, discussing issues men face every day. It is a program where a men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. I'm Mike Sandlin, your host today, and I thank you so much for joining us as we speak into uh, the men's lives today. Often we hear people talk about character and integrity, but what does that mean? And how do I make sure I am displaying the kind of character and integrity that God desires? I have heard people say that integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. But how do I know I'm doing the right thing? And how do I know I'm displaying the character God desires for me to display? Well, maybe we'll be able to answer some of those questions today on today's program, as I have with me as my guest, Rod Hanley, who is a character that counts. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Rod as I bring him on. Rod is the founder and president of Character That Counts, a ministry that established, was established back in 2000. Uh, Rod speaks all across this nation to men and women and teenagers with uh, about character, about integrity, and accountability issues. He has written over 30 books, including one that's called Character Counts, Who's Counting Yours? From 1986 to 1999, he served on the staff of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, including 11 years as the Chief Operating Officer and Chief Financial Officer. He has also spoken at hundreds of chapel services for a number of the NFL, NBA, and MLB teams, including serving as a team chaplain for the Kansas City Royals and the Seattle uh, Supersonics. Rod and his wife uh, live in Lee Summit, Missouri, and they have four children. I personally actually met Rod through uh, National Coalition of Men's uh, Ministering to Men, and it's been an honor to, to get to know this guy through that ministry. So, Rod, I just enjoy and thank you for joining me today on today's program. Delighted to be with you, Mike. Thanks so much. You know, I, I uh, when I was looking at your bio and I was checking some things out on character that counts, and, and I, I mean, I gave a short version of your bio, and and, and I was just totally, as, a, as kind of a sports guy, so to speak, I've always enjoyed sports, watching sports, being involved in sports in some way. I was just, I was just impressed of the number of collegiate and professional teams that you've had some kind of a connection with, either through chapel service or or serving as a, a, a chaplain of the organization. And even, even I saw where, uh, I think for a couple of years, you led a Bible study for the Kansas City Royals. I'm sure that has been an exciting adventure for you doing that. You know, it, it is. But what's interesting is uh, even though these guys are in the limelight and the, you know, the media you know, is, watches their every move, when it comes down to it, they're just like you and me, Mike. They're just yeah. normal guys. They just happen to be able to run fast, jump high, throw hard, you know, whatever their talent is. But they're just down deep. They're just like us. And, and they they have needs and issues and wants and desires and frustrations and pain. And and so that's what's been really fun to get to know these guys outside of the locker room and really just as as men and husbands and fathers. Oh, man, I, I, I'm sure of that. I'm, uh, I sit back and I think about it a lot of times that we, we watch these guys, you know, I go down. It's been a while since I've done it, but I used to go down to Atlanta and watch the Braves play there in the stadium. And, and, uh, and, and I, used to, I used to look at my son when he was with me and say, hey, you know, these guys are no different than you and I. You know, they're, 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 the only difference is, is their talent and, and what they can do out there on that field will amaze you. But when you drive it down to the nitty gritty, they're no different than you and I. 
So, well, Rod, I like to ask uh, my my guests a couple of questions as we get started here. And and one of the first questions I like to ask is, what is a verse uh, that you may have as an anchor verse or a life verse or a verse that you uh, hang on to, so to speak, in your ministry that that um, that God speaks to you on a regular basis about how you need to to uh, uh, minister to other people and through through him as he uses you in in the ministry. Well, it's an easy one for me, Mike, to to give you my life verse. Uh, it's Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Mm. And I'll add on verses twelve and thirteen. Here's how it reads: It says, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans not to harm you, but plans to give you a future and a hope." And then it says this: "Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you." And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I love that verse because it speaks life. It speaks life to me, to other men, that God does have a wonderful plan for us if we'll simply submit and surrender to him, that when we pray, when we seek his face, he isn't off in a distant country, um, inattentive. He's very, very engaged, very eager to uh, uh, you know, invite us in, and if we are, if we're willing, He will take us for the ride of our life. Yeah, uh, Ephesians three twenty says that He has insurmountable things, unbelievable things uh, that are stored up just for us if we'll just simply submit to Him. So, for me, uh, that verse just gives me so much hope. And, and in a world that we're lacking hope, I tell you what, that verse just ministers deep to my soul. Oh man, I, I I agree with that. I was speaking with someone this morning early that uh, that I meet with every week, and I was talking about the fact that we have to develop that intentional love relationship with the Father, and when we do that, you'd be just amazed about uh, uh, how you will feel uh, as you minister to people ar- around you, and how much you miss those times together with the Father when yes. life happens and you don't have that chance to do that. It is, it is super. Well, Rob, every one of us who works in men's ministry in some form or fashion has a story to tell. <laughs> and and we've all been uh, called into this ministry through various means. God used various ways. And uh, and, I, and I, I'd like for you to share a little bit. You've been in this for 30 years, much longer than I have, much, much longer than I have. And, uh, and I'd like for you to share a little bit about... Um, uh, how God pulled you into that and and how that has a, a affected you over the years. Yeah. Well, you, you kind of alluded to earlier, I'm a sports guy. I always have been, and that was my God actually growing up. I dreamed of being a professional athlete and, and uh, you know, using my, my uh, talents and gifts uh, to really bring glory to myself. I'll be real honest. That was uh I was into, you know, the, the newspaper clippings and the media and the accolades and the trophies. And and uh, what's interesting about my story is as much as uh, I saw those really good things happening and I, and I had, had some accolades, had some had some had some early fame and had some early things going on that were really good. Uh, I still was discontented. I still, you know, at the end of the day, wasn't wasn't happy, didn't have uh, a peace, didn't have, you know, there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of anger, a lot of uh, frustrations. And uh, it was uh, right before my senior year of high school, mm. my dad drugged me to a youth conference. <laughs> I went there kicking and screaming, you know, I mean, I, I tell people I had a drug problem. <laughs> and I, and I, I just, 
I heard for the first time from a Christian athlete, a man who had had, had made the made the height of his uh, profession. He's an NFL NFL quarterback, and I heard him share about a personal relationship with Jesus. And uh, that later that very night that this guy shared that message, um, I, I I said yes. I said yes to God, and I, he's he's taken me on this journey that has been unbelievable. And I began to. Uh, see how my talents could be used not for my glory but for God's glory. So I ended up playing a little bit of college football and in fact it was a four-year starter, four-year letterman, made some all-American teams, I had some had some some success. Uh, but um, it became crystal clear that God wanted to marry this love for the Lord and this love for sports together. Mm. And so the vehicle that uh, God provided was the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Right. And initially, I was in a volunteer role. I was actually in the business world uh, doing doing my uh, number crunching. I was a CPA doing that by day. And my nights and weekends and vacation time, I was volunteering time with FCA, doing summer camps and huddle meetings and speaking uh, because I had a little bit of a, of, a, of a noteworthy background. You know, there was still some kids and schools that were interested in having me come to their school and share with their, with their, uh, you know, students. And so I would, I was doing that. And, and in 1986, uh, an opportunity emerged to go on staff with FCA. So you're right, you know, 35 years ago, I got into this thing called full-time ministry and began to expand my reach beyond just uh, speaking, you know, to, uh, to students in, in high school and junior high settings, but then expanding it to work with men and women and teens and all kinds of, of uh, different audiences, companies and businesses. And, and uh, so for the last, uh, specifically the last 20, 25 years, uh, I've, I've averaged about 250 speaking engagements a year, uh, speaking, you know, here, there and everywhere, primarily to men. And then, um, and then also just doing a, a ton of retreats. And that's where that chapel work that I talked about that, that we did. And, you know, through through that connection, through, you know, Pro Basketball Fellowship, Baseball Chapel, uh, you know, that gets you connected to not just the team you work with, you know, in your area, but literally all these teams because they're coming in on road trips. And so you're right, connecting right. that way as well. And, and uh, you know, God has given me enough experiences and enough bandwidth that, uh, you mentioned in the bio that I've, I've written about 30-some-plus books uh, on the issues that I'm really passionate about, which is basically living a Christ-centered mm. uh, life of character, integrity, and accountability. So, you know, I would have never dreamed, Mike, you know, when we when I went to that youth conference back in the late, you know, 70s, that this would be where I'd ended up. I mean, I, I would have, I probably would have went kicking and screaming, to tell you the truth, because, again, I had my plans but God had bigger plans. Absolutely. And God use, use this crazy thing called sports connected to the body of Christ and then provide a form and an outlet to, to minister to, uh, to all kinds of people. And I love working with men. I think you asked the question, you know, why men? Why, why is that important to you? And uh, off, offline, you and I mentioned this stat that has been quoted extensively by Promise Keepers. Yep. But it really motivates me to do the weekend retreats and the conferences and Iron sharpens iron conferences, engage right where men are at. But but it goes like this. If you lead 100 children to Christ, three to four families will come to Christ eventually through that. If you lead 100 women to Christ, 
around 16 to 17 families will come to Christ. But they say if you lead 100 men to Christ, 92 families will come to Christ. And I don't know about you, Mike, but that 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 just that riveting statistic reminds me of the value of investing in men, being very intentional, very, being very engaged. And uh, who best to speak to a man than another man? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and so that's why I feel like God has given us a platform and a voice. And um, and I love when I get a chance to do a, a weekend conference where it's not just me talking for 45 minutes, but me engaging an entire weekend with men, you know, starting off with the Friday night steak dinner and going all the way through to their, you know, even following them back home to their home church and, and preaching there on Sunday morning, being engaged, you know, multiple days, multiple nights engaging with men. And what I've discovered is when I share my story, and we all have a story, when I share, you know, what God has done in my life, uh, and because I, I, I certainly don't have a life of perfection. In fact, I tell people oftentimes, it's not about direct, it's not about perfection, it's about direction. So it's, you know, I'm a flawed man, I've got, I've got uh, my own struggles. And when I'm, when I willingly share that with guys, when I tell them, what's going on in my mind and what God, how God has worked and how he's transformed. Here's what happens, Mike. Men say, oh my goodness, you shared your story. Can I tell you mine? You had courage enough to tell about your, your, right. Issues, your right. problems, your temptations, your, you know, your struggles, you know, your desire to be a man, uh, what that looks like. Can I tell you my story? And 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 I see literally, I see life transformation take place all the time because I know just as God had a plan for my life, he's got a plan for their life. So so to me, I I can't I I, I can't wait to get on the road. I can't wait to to engage with men and whether it be California or New York or Texas or Minnesota. It doesn't matter if it's a Baptist or Methodist or Pentecostal or Catholics. I mean, God has given us, given me a chance to connect with men. And a lot of times it is under the, under this big, big banner called sports, but really more it's about just being a man and trying to be successful as a dad, a husband, a father, all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, that, that that's great. And, and it's interesting. One of the things that I've learned over the years is, is the fact that, uh, um, men are often told but they're rarely trained on how to be the leaders they need to be in their homes we're often told how to do it, what we need to do but we're rarely trained on how to do that and and it's great that we have uh people like yourself and others uh who's part of the ncmm the national coalition of ministering to men to, to reach out and do exactly that uh there's very few churches that we come across that actually target their men and pour their pour their resources into men, and that's that. And that just kind of leads me in. What do you see? What do you see the biggest struggle with men today? Uh, what do you think they're struggling with mostly? And and, uh, and how can they probably overcome that? Or how can they seek help to overcome that? What 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 is your thoughts on that? Well, I, and I actually speak. I've spoken to this real recently, so this is very much on the uh, top of my uh, top of my mind. But it's their identity, who who they are, who they really are. Mm -hmm. And think about it. There's so much confusion uh, in this world today about the role of a man, uh, and and uh, you know whether it be the gender agenda, the LGBTQ agenda, whether it be 
you know, uh, what's called toxic masculinity. I mean, there is yeah. so much confusion about what it means to be a man and what that looks like. And, um, and then you throw into that uh, things like a father wound, <laughs> which is a massive issue, massive yes. issue for a lot of guys. And they're just really struggling. And because they haven't got models of what this looks like, I mean, they're really flying in the dark uh, of trying to figure it out. And I, to be quite honest, I think the church has a golden opportunity, a golden opportunity to tell a man who they are in Christ, who they are, uh, that they're chosen. They're a child of God. They're, mm -hmm. They're they're beloved. They you know they've got a they they've got a guy that's going to keep their pro his promises to them. And there's so many things that a man could claim, but man, they are they are fishing. And the world's certainly not throwing many biblical solutions. They're not oh, throwing no, no. the truth of God's word. And so it, it's just a scattered thing. So so that's the first thing I try to talk to about men is who that who they are in Christ, who that who is God has called them to be. And and, uh, and 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 part of that calling is to be a servant, <laughs> to be to to die to self, to 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 you know be crucified with Christ literally. And when you actually die and submit and surrender and begin to obey and trust, guess what? That's when literally just the explosive explosive plans of God can begin to take place in the life of a man, but. So many men, man, just getting up, getting to first base is a challenge because they're getting so beat up. I mean, oh. we, we are we are getting we we are mocked by the media. Uh, TV shows just undermine men. I mean, the the popular uh, things are just to to devalue men and to make them look like idiots and to, you know, again, you know, try to shame them into a certain behavior, and that's not who God's called us to be. He's called us to 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 die to self, to submit to the Lord, to to serve, to honor, to give glory to God, and so we got we got to help them with their identity first. That's that's that to me is step one. Well, that's that, that is so true, and I appreciate you sharing that because that's a, you know that's a that's a battle that I fought myself for many years. Um, you know, you talked about a father wound, and a lot of times guys don't understand what you mean by that, but that is something that happened in your life dealing with your father that's affected uh, how you be, how you grew up and how you become a man and uh, how you approach things. And father wounds are not always necessarily fathers being mean to you. Uh, my father wound, I didn't realize I had this, was because I lost my dad uh, to death uh, at a young age. And I didn't have that dad. I knew like, he was around long enough, 14 years, for me to get to know him and know how much he loved me and cared for me and wanted to share with me. But then in my formative teenage years, I didn't have him. And I and I lived a, a lived a, an angry lifestyle there for a number of years because of that. And it's because of that wound. It wasn't because my dad was that mean to me. It's because I didn't have a father to to provide the necessarily nurturing that I needed. So those father wounds could come in many ways. And those guys need to re recognize that. It's, that is a, a great thing to talk about. In, 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 our, fact, in fact, Mike, you're right. It's not just being an absent dad or being, no. a, you know, a dysfunctional dad. Some some of these dads, they don't even realize that they're wounding. You know, they they're, they're, they actually uh, intend to encourage their kid and help their kid, but it might just be through, you know, maybe they just never say the words "I love you" or "I yeah, believe yeah. in you," and 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 it, it it takes in all kinds of different forms. But the reality, and I found this out recently, ninety percent of all men and women have a father wound. 
Oh, yeah. and, and, and you are the rare exception, you know, less than 10% of people actually don't know what we're talking about. The rest can readily identify mm-hmm. through a variety of ways. Boy, I've been wounded. And some of that shapes who we are, who we are, because how we view our, our earthly father many times will reflect and manifest how we believe what our, our heavenly father is like as well. Yeah, and it, and it will also uh, shape how you will raise your children in, 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 in that way. So it, it's very important for you to recognize that and be able to, uh, to deal with it and let, let, allow the Lord to minister into your life. What's the greatest need that churches need to do to reach their men? Hmm. Uh, listen to them. <laughs> you know, uh, and again, you know, just just to to not treat them as a commodity, but as a person, and to and to realize that uh, this guy has something to offer. And uh, I think if if we the churches would take time to really. Uh, listen to their men, engage their men, get their men, you know, to to uh, places, but not just be a talking head, but allow men to process out loud. Uh, it's super healthy. I, I'm going to brag on my church for a second. My church is actually doing a remarkable job with our men. Uh, our church is, is very, very attentive to, you know, we have to not just treat the men like a, a secondary part of our church, but are very much a primary. So, uh, so next Friday night, a uh, week from today, or no, I'm sorry, a, a little over a week away, uh, we're having a thing called a beast feast. We're having just a bunch of animals, uh, animal food that uh, guys <laughs> have killed. And, and uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to enjoy eating a major meal together. We're going to gather these men and that night we're going to give them kind of a, a roadmap for how can a man enter our church over the next 12 months. We have uh, Tuesday night classes. We have six different opportunities for men to engage. I'm actually one of the teachers of that. And I'm going to, I'm going to be taking guys through a series that I actually wrote called momentum. You know, so mm-hmm. man is in the middle of momentum. And right. We're right. talking about just, where, where men are at today in the year 2021 and what can we, can we do? We're going to talk about some of those identity issues. We're talking about father wound. We're going to talk about what it means, uh, what, what it means to define what manhood looks like. Uh, but the cool thing is I'm not the only show in town. We've got an, an, another class to teach them how to, how to, how to get in the Bible. We're going to teach another class on how to, uh, uh, you know, if you get some deep counseling needs, what those are going to look like. So there's a variety of options for men. And then our men are not just invited to just, um, you know, just kind of show up on Sunday and in like a cafeteria plan. But now how are you, what are you going to do to serve? So we've got men involved with our food pantry. We've got men involved with our Sunday school classes. We've got men involved with our security team and ushering. And, and they literally are a part of all this that's going on. And so it's 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 neat to see them really attentive to, to not only helping men meet their needs, but also show them how to serve. Because when you get a man not, not only just attending, but now serving, that's when a man really begins to own this thing. And they begin to Again, they're doing life with other men. They're seeing how it's worked. They're seeing how it's modeled. Uh, they, they got entry points, easy entry points. Um, that, that's what the church can do. And, and sadly, Mike, my church is the exception. I, I meet so many men, and they have very, very little to offer to the men. 
Um, they want them to be givers and tithers, uh, but hey, just shut up and show up and give us your money. Yeah. And that's not a good strategy for helping men to really fulfill the high calling they have. Yeah, you know, when you look at most churches, I, one of my mentors that I know that you knew knew well, Jeff Kasaya, he um, he shared with me one time a picture that um, he had taken when he was at a, a church, and we won't name the church, you know, but, but uh, um, he, he said, what's wrong with this picture? And, and in the picture showed this table that was supposed to be in the vestibule of the church, and it had three baskets there with three different brochures in it. And there was a brochure on men, uh, excuse me, on women's ministry, a brochure on children's ministry, and a brochure on youth ministry. And he looked, said, what's missing? Men's ministry. They didn't have anything for men's ministry. And that's the way a lot of churches are these days. They focus a lot on those women and youth and children and don't really spend a lot of time on men. And I think in my goings around, it's because they really don't know how to engage their men. Do yeah. you think that's probably the case? Absolutely. Yeah. They don't know. And, and, and of course, um, you know, and praise God for the women and praise God yeah, for, well, for the leadership because yeah. where would many of our churches be without women stepping up and filling the void that, that a man should be in? And, mm-hmm. and I'm all for women's ministry. I'm all for children's ministry. I'm all for right. youth. But again, right. if you want to get the whole church, you got to be strategic about the men. And it starts with that senior pastor. Many times they set the pace. Uh, they are. And if they preach to the men, I've heard that the women will translate. I mean, they'll figure it out. I mean, preach to the men and 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 and, and you will get the whole family. You will get everybody engaged and it'll it'll make a huge difference. Yeah. You and I were talking before uh, before we came on about I was quite telling you about a quote I came across uh, of a church in uh, in the Charlotte area about targeting men. I found that quote and I want to read that quote and get your okay. thoughts on it. And uh, it's uh, it call, he calls it the eight strategic decisions that their church deals with when they're making decisions. And he said this, he said, at MEC, we unashamedly target men in our outreach, in our messages, in our, well, almost everything. We have become convinced that through the years of experience that if you get the man, you get everyone else within his orbit, specifically his wife and his children. What does that mean to target men? It means you think about male sensibilities in terms of music, message, vocabulary, and style. One of the most frequent things we hear from women is, my husband loves the church. I could never get him to church before, but now he comes here even when I don't. I tell you what, I, and, and, and I'm going to predict that that church is doing really, really well because, <laughs> because uh, that is that is a part, and that just underscores exactly what I've been talking about, that yeah, this yeah. is vital. And you actually don't lose the women and lose the children. You actually gain them, and they begin to see the difference. I'll never forget uh, one of the my dearest, dearest friends here in the Kansas City area. Uh, his wife approached me, oh, probably a year or so after we had you know, he was coming to our men's group and, and she said that she goes, my husband is a hundred percent better at everything he does because oh, he goes yeah. to the group. And so they're the beneficiaries. They, they become the beneficiaries of, of what we're doing with the men. They're not discounted. They're not undermined. They're not, you know, slighted at all. In fact, they're elevated. They're elevated because of what we're doing with men. So oh, yeah. no, such a good, such a good quote. And, and, and I can I can attest to what you just said. I've you know I regularly sit down with you know, young men and and, not, and older men too across the table and talk to them about their spiritual life and and how to grow in Christ and especially get into the Word of God and study. I recently had a, a wife herself walk up to me 
and said, thank you. Thank you for spending time with my husband. Oh, that, that means so much to me. I mean, evidently she sees a difference in him already and you know, what's going yeah. on. So that is super. Well, we hey, talked Mike, about Mike, one of the, one of the things too, that I'm really, really conscious of, and, and you know this cause you, you interviewed him uh, last month in your show, but, <laughs> but I'm really, uh, you know, especially I'm getting old, you know, there's reality. I'm older. <laughs> you know, when you've done some 35 years, that means you've been around the block a while. Yeah. But, but I want to invest in young men. And that's what uh, energizes me and, and keeps me very much in the game is I want to be in the process of patch, passing on the, the the baton to the next generation. So we're we're doing some pretty strategic things with our work right now to make sure that we are not just becoming an old ministry that's fading into the, in the sunset, but we're really engaging our younger generation and younger men and and that's that's one of the things that's been so exciting about the last, you know, number of months in our ministry is is very intentional on that, and God is God's doing a really special thing. And these young men are eager to oh. engage. They are oh, very yeah. eager to engage. They they see the value and importance of what we're oh, saying, yeah. and they're saying, "Hey, walk with me and show me and and help me process." And and to me, that just brings uh great energy and it brings energy to the old guys that are that are still that we still welcome to our work but they get energized by seeing this these uh these sons and grandsons and you know the you know some 30 40 50 years younger than him they're they're fighting the same uh, game they're in and and it, it couldn't be more thrilling for us to watch that happen oh amen i remember being on a call not too long ago where it was a bunch of gray-haired guys or ball-headed guys like like myself and uh and and we had a few uh younger guys in their late 20s early 30s and one of the older guys made a comment about retiring and going fishing and, and sitting on his rocket chair the young guy spoke up he says i don't want you to do that he says you got so much wisdom that you can pour into my life you need to be doing that you know and i thought that was so so apropos for what the discussion we were having is that we do that i know in, uh i know in, you know 15 years ago when i was battling cancer lord gave me a a, a scripture verse of psalm 71 18 which talks about even when i'm old and gray do not forsake me until i proclaim your strength to this generation yeah. which was a which was a uh, encouragement to me to know that God was not through with me yet, that he, he still wanted me to, to do certain things. And I had, and he wanted to use me to, to pour into the lives of younger men, into the younger generation. That is, that's super. And it's, it's what we need. We've talked about the churches and so forth. Uh, what do the churches need to do, but how can the churches do that? I know you gave the example of your, of your, of your church still in this big, uh, I think you called it beast night. And, uh, and uh, what else can churches do specifically that can uh, uh, help men in the community even to know that maybe this is a place I ought to go and check out? We offer one of those opportunities right here in our city. We, we engage men with a early morning Bible study on Tuesday and Wednesday mornings. Mm -hmm. uh, and I tell you what, just, I tell guys the key to key to success with your uh, you know growing in knowledge is just showing up, just show up because because uh, when you show up and you begin to you know look up uh, and, and say God help me show me what to do and then and then literally, literally and my wife does like when I say this and you hook up <laughs> you get you know shoulder to shoulder with another guy and you begin to interface and when you show up and look up and hook up 
I tell you what, that's when God can really begin mm -hmm. to, to work in the life of a man. But first, you got to get him to attend. Oh, yeah. Here's a great way to do that. Make sure food's involved. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's a huge, huge ticket to getting a man to show up. So one of the things we do at our early morning meeting, we've got Panera Bread that provides all the pastries and goodies and cookies. And I mean, we got all wow. kinds of bagels and everything else. And they're free. You know, we have some people, some men that underwrite the coffee and the the grub they're getting, and that's 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 one of the things we can promise them that they're going to get there for sure. And then when they when they're there, uh, don't waste a guy's time with just talking about superficial stuff. Talk about the real stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I you even mentioned equipping, equipping mm -hmm. a man, helping a man. Uh, so many of them are floundering. They don't know what it what it you know looks like to be a dad, to be a husband, to be you know, a godly man to have a, how to have a quiet time. So uh, when they show up, give them the truth, pack a punch, you know, don't give them just a bunch of, you know, just raise the standard guys want to, they want to be challenged. Oh, Here's yeah. what look like Here's oh, what, yeah. what's going to be involved. Uh, and guess what? We're not just going to, going to give you the words. We're also going to encourage you to hook up with a guy next to you and say, Hey, let's run this battle together. And that's where this word accountability comes in mind. We are very, very high on, you know, don't just do life solo. In fact, men who do life by themselves, it, it doesn't end well. I mean, we are better together. We are better when we are relationally connected. We we can go farther. We can we can we can withstand stuff. We can engage. Um, and now and now give instead of giving superficial prayer requests for ant. Susie, third removed. We're saying, here's how you can pray for me. Here's mm -hmm. here's here's the fight of the life that I'm in. Uh, I, I had a guy pull me aside at breakfast. I was with another group of men last Friday morning, and this guy knows some of my backstory. He says, "Man, pray for me. I am in the middle of just struggling with lust. I am really struggling." So I said, "So what's new in your routine that's causing that to occur?" He goes, well, I did join the gym recently. I've got a new gym membership. And he goes, I think that's the that's the, the tip of the spear. So we, I begin to, and let me give you some strategies. I, I love that you're going to the gym. I love you're getting in shape. But here's some things you can do at the gym to make sure that you're not engaging your eyes and, and going down that trail. So after we talked about some strategies, some things that he could do, and obviously him showing up and coming clean, I prayed for him. And as we finished the conversation, he says, man, I feel like I can go out now and beat this thing. He goes, I was just, I was just dying. I didn't know how to share. I was struggling. I didn't know what to do. I needed some help and some hope and some encouragement. He goes, I got that this morning. That's how you get a man. Again, oh, yeah. notice I listened to him, you know, and I, and I, and I worked through it and we process and we're doing it together. Men, men do better when they do stuff together. I think so often we um, we have a tendency, and, and I'm, I'm saying this universally. I don't mean anybody specific or or anything, but I, I, I think I see a lot of times we tend to beat our men down, <laughs> and uh, uh, especially on like Father's Day, we somehow for some reason we lift our, our our wives and mothers up on Mother's Day, and we beat our men down on Father's Day. I don't know what that's all about, but. Uh, but guys love to, to has to be encouraged too, and they love to see their leaders being transparent to show that they too have struggles that they had to work through or are working through. 
and uh, and sometimes that helps them to understand the the, uh, the that there's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing special about them. That uh, we all have to walk through this fire together. Um, I think it's big. I know one of the verses that I I grabbed onto when I first got into ministry to men. I know everybody likes to quote Proverbs twenty seven seventeen. It's iron sharpens iron, so is one man sharpened another. But for some reason, Ecclesiastes four nine and ten really grabbed hold of me where it says two are better than one for they have a greater return on their labor. And and if one falls down, there's another there to lift him up and pity the man who doesn't have somebody there to pick him up. And I thought that was so apropos because, you know, that goes back to our military training for those who's been in the military about got your back. You don't leave nobody out there on the battlefield. You, you, you grab him and you help him out. You bring him home. And, and that's, and we don't do that really in our churches today uh, I think it's a struggle. What do you think? In fact, let me give you the New Living Translation on the verse you just quoted. Because okay, it, it just it just it just hammers the very point about two are better than one. Here's what it says: The man who is alone is in real trouble. Oh man! <laughs> I mean, is that preach or what? I mean, that oh, is yes. so, so true. <laughs> We're in deep, deep trouble when we're alone, yeah. and that's why two is better than one. And 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 men are 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 designed for relationship. We're designed first of all with a relationship with God Almighty. That's that's this vertical relationship. It's so critical. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're also created for these relationships, horizontal. And you put the horizontal and vertical together, you have a picture of the cross. And that's what that's what Jesus is all about. He's all about relationship, relationship with the Father, relationship with others. And, and, and when men get, get that kind of that aha moment and they say, oh, my goodness, I need my brothers. I need my Lord. I need that them working together simultaneously. Man, guys begin to thrive and grow. And so you're, you're exactly right. This is, this is exactly what I've been basically teaching the last uh, 20 plus years with Character That Counts. Uh, amen. Well, I want to give you a minute. I know we really didn't get into character account. We talked about everything else, but we didn't talk about the ministry itself. And we're really coming up on our time. But I want you to share a little bit about character that counts and, and what uh, what the ministry is all about. Uh, and it, it, it's a phenomenal ministry. There's no doubt about it. And uh, mm -hmm. But just give you a few minutes to talk about that. Sure. Well, uh, character is, you know, you even said it well in your introduction. It's it's that, you know, who are you are when nobody's watching, you know, what, what, what's, what's really going on and, and integrity, our second key word is about being whole and complete, you know, and again, we live in a fractional world. We live in an, an era where, you know, you can kind of say, well, I can be this way, in this arena, in, this way, in another arena. Integrity means being whole and complete. It's literally an integer. And the way we make that happen, uh, Mike, is through this word called accountability, you know, and that's that's what sharing your stuff, sharing your secrets, uh, sharing your joys, sharing your sorrows, and 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 not being uh, you know superficial. And so we've designed ten accountability questions. You can find those on our website, uh, characterthatcounts.org is where those are at. And there's ten questions there for men, ten questions there for women, ten questions there for teenagers. And then we don't put this on a on a card. We also have. Uh, accountability questions for couples to begin to engage. And again, you'll notice when you when you look at those questions, uh, the theme uh, the theme of question one is what we call our Jesus question. How are you and Jesus doing? You know, and think about it. Are we really telling people how we're 
how our prayer life looks like, what, what we're studying the Word of God, uh, what scripture we're memorizing, you know, uh, you know what our attendance at church looks like. You know, what are we doing with, with our Jesus time? And then the second most important question, and of course, let me just say questions two through nine are purity questions and financial dealing questions and how we take care of our body. But question right. 10 is the second most important question. Have I lied on any of my answers today? You know, I've been truthful. And I tell people, man, if you're not going to be truthful with the process of accountability, then don't waste your time and don't waste a brother's time. Uh, this is time to get, you know, real, authentic, vulnerable, transparent. Here's the here's the junk, and here's the here's the hallelujahs. And when you can do that, and accountability is simply being honest with God, honest with others, and honest with ourselves. And you can do that. Here's the payoff, Mike. There's freedom. There's freedom involved. And that's and that's for me. That's the that's the basis of everything that we do. Is we're trying to help people see this need to be accountable not to ruin their life or to cause them to, you know, just be in bondage, but to literally experience the abundant life that Christ promises us. So that's, that's our hope where, where we go. And I, and I think our message, if I was to summarize them to men uh, is, is we're, uh, we're a vehicle to them to find freedom in the plans that God has for their life. So that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to ruin their life. We're trying to maximize all that God wants to do in and through their life. Amen. Well, Rod, I appreciate you being with me today. And, and for those of you who are listening, if you want to know more about Character of Accounts, just go to characterofthatchaos.org. And if you would like to email Rod, there's a, up there at the top, there's a contact button that you can just click on that contact button. There's a form there you can fill out. And I promise you, Rod or one of the uh, one of his team members will will respond to you in, in that area, and and I know you and I can continue talking about this for quite some time. Uh, so much experience that you've got, and and the conversations we have we have heard and seen and, and experienced, uh, it is so great. But anyway, to, uh, thank you, Rod. I appreciate you being with me today. Okay. If you want to know more about K Fear Men. You can reach out to me at kfearmen.net or go to uh, Mike Salen at kfearmen.net and I would be glad to respond to you. Uh, as we begin to close this program, I would like to encourage you to check out my new book, uh, The Call, A Journey into Men's Ministry. Uh, it's on amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com. You can reach out to that and be sure to leave a review when you uh, have an opportunity to read that book. It would be greatly, greatly appreciated. We are a 501c3 um, organization. And if you would uh, like to help us to, to continue to do this, you can go out to kfearmen.net and click on the donate button or text kfearmen at 50155 to be able to donate to help us out with this. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Now, like a, a, a mentor used to say to me, uh, whenever he would finish a time together for us, he would always say, Father, I pray that you would give them a rock to stand on a brook to drink from, and a tree to shade him by. God bless you, and we'll see you next time on Intentional Conversations with Mike Salmon.